The ebook is relevant to the same sex marriage debate, but it is not just about that debate. Not everyone who thinks that homosexuality is immoral opposes same sex marriage, and not everyone who opposes same sex marriage thinks that homosexuality is immoral. On the other hand, most people who oppose same sex marriage, currently about half of all Americans, do so because of underlying moral objections. Part of what marriage does is give a public seal of approval to relationships and people are naturally reluctant to do that for relationship they view as fundamentally wrong. What's more, there are many people who believe that there's something wrong with homosexuality, something queer, we might say, even though they wouldn't go so far as to say that it is morally wrong. One goal here is to source through some of these attitudes and judgments. That's the point of the book, What's Wrong with Homosexuality by John Covino. Let's begin. 70. Where does moral truth come from? After all, believing something doesn't necessarily make it true. Yeah. We are not in George Orwell's world where we can believe two things that two opposite things that are true that we can't believe two opposites double think has anybody read um there's this idea called double think it means you believe two ideas that are opposites and you hold them as beliefs that are true at the same time yeah even though you know they are you shouldn't hold both of them at the same time double think I like that book mm. he's saying here what does moral truth come where does moral truth come from after all believing something doesn't necessarily make it true and the simple answer to that question is well there is no simple answer that's the problem those who think there's a simple answer are usually quite happy to tell you the answer God Moral truth comes from God. Okay, but we aren't God. And people who believe in God disagree about all kinds of important things. Ugh. That's it's Christians they are dragging them. <laughs> so even if you think God is the source, you need to figure out what God requires, permits, and forbids. History teaches that there's that that's not such an easy task. Sometimes it's a downright bloody one. My point is that figuring out how to live is a process that all human beings, religious believers of various tribes, agnostics, atheists have to engage. In a sense, morality comes from the shared efforts to do just that. Trying to define morality in advance of that process is likely to stack the deck in one direction or the other. For example, morality is what God says homosexuality god says homosexuality is wrong end of story alternatively morality is about people living together happily in a society homosexual relationships make some people happy end of story anyone persuaded i didn't think so on to the process as it happens arguments about god are a good place to start so it started with the argument about god so we see here I always wanted to talk about where moral truth come from and because that is that seems like the the question behind 
all these books that I've been reading this week on sexuality, uh, on homosexuality. So, and I'm glad that one book finally talks about it. Mm. So it gives us two places that morality can possibly come from. The first is God, and it means that um, if God is the answer to that question, where does moral truth come from? That so God is the answer, and then God thinks homosexuality is bad. End of story. But then, if you take into um, and we are not God, like people are not God. So, but if you def- try to define moral truth, um. Sorry, <laughs> I keep burping. Alternatively, morality is about people living together happily in a society. Homosexuality relationship, homosexual relationships make people happy. End of story. Those are the two places. I'm glad he made it so simplistic like that. It's so fine. I love. I like this book. It's quite very straight to the point. Very direct. Present presents the argument, presents what people say, um, presents what other what homosexuals say. It 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 doesn't really it tries to clear both the homosexuals and the people who are not pro homosexuality and have arguments for it. So I kinda like I can't I like it. It puts everything in one place. <laughs> Even though it's gay and I still don't support homosexuality. And I'm for that first point of argument where he says God is the source, is where morality comes from, and God thinks homosexuality is bad. I'm glad that somebody that is gay is actually being clear about saying, like he just said, morality is what God says. God says homosexuality is bad. End of story. I'm glad that he put it all together because now people say. God doesn't totally say homosexuality is bad. Although he also says it. Let's just get into the book. Let's get right into the book. We have so many things to talk about. Page 74. As a secular humanist, you think... She started. Um, there's, it was giving a lecture, having an argument with somebody. Like all these public lectures. And there was this Christian woman that was ranting in the audience. She makes she makes her point, but she... She wasn't very calm. Um, as a sec, she's the one speaking now. As a secular humanist, you think she started. Um, what makes you think I'm a secular humanist? I interrupted. I had not announced myself as such, and I don't strongly identify with the label secular humanist. Okay. Well, it's obvious. She continued. If you reject the Bible the way you do, we never talk about the Bible tonight. We talked about civil marriage. Okay, but what's the standard of morality for you? She pressed. I don't like talking about the standard. I answered, since it suggests an overly simple picture. But if you want a simple answer. I'm I'm just... Hold on, I have a question there. Why? What prompts... I don't like talking about the standard. Because Christians are never on one side. Because he's a Christian. He grew up in a Christian home, in a Catholic home. Um, so, 
from where does that question that statement come i don't like talking about the standard let's continue i don't like talking about the standard since it suggests an overly simple picture but if you want a simple answer i think moral standards are a function of human well-being mm. moral standards are a function of human well-being okay That's what he thinks. Okay. Okay. I think I understand why he says I don't talk about the standard. So, on your view, your God. Okay, hold on. That was such a leap. I don't know. <laughs> hold on. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to really think about this. Maybe if I think about it well enough, I will. Father, help. Please. Okay, but what is the standard of morality for you? She pressed. I don't like talking about the standard. Standard is God. I don't like talking about God. Since it suggests an overly simple picture. And in that picture you're wrong. But if you want a simple answer. Okay, I do. I think moral standards are a function of human well-being. Yeah, I don't, I don't disagree with that. <laughs> I don't disagree with that. I think God's rules, um, the things that He wants us to do and not to do, are usually beneficial to us in one way or the other. So, when I was reading today, I was thinking, God, God loves us, okay, and. Um, he loves us he knows us the most and he loves us the most so why why did he say no homosexuality why did he say that and I don't mean like all this argument that people give there um, I just I've been reading so much about it I'm so tired of just hearing like people argue because you can always come up with arguments, bro. Like, the arguments are endless. And after this week, I want to be done with homosexuality. So, um, why? <laughs> What's the main reason? What is the spiritual reason? Because it has to do with our spirits. If we can't find anything in the present, if it just makes us happy, if it's just something that makes you happy, what is the implication? What is the spiritual implication? you know and i'm sure that spiritual implication affects our physical so what is the spiritual implication then that then be that then becomes the physical implication and what are the physical implications i wanted to read a book on maybe psychological effects of homosexuality but i didn't find anything on that maybe i didn't search enough i'm not sure <laughs> let's keep going maybe my other books the other books i still have two days left yeah so Maybe the other books I'm going to read will be able to answer that question. Yeah, I should read a spiritual book, shouldn't I? I've read a lot about the history. I've read more now than... Yeah, I should. I definitely should. So this woman leaps into this old thing and says... I have nothing against this woman, actually. It's just... 
you need time to think about some things. And this is usually our go-to. And it's also a logical um, next point when somebody says, oh, um, but I don't think she should have said you are God because the man said, if you want a simple answer, I think moral standards are a function of human well-being. So she said, so on your view, you are God, but she shouldn't have said you are God. She should have said, from your viewpoint, we are God, because that's what it means. It means that all our, everybody's happiness hangs in the balance and everybody's happiness hangs in the balance that we all of us are responsible for so i'm responsible for your happiness you're responsible for my happiness all of that that's that's what it's saying right i'm responsible for everybody's well-being yeah i read a book on the psychology psychology of lies um so if you tell a lie you increase your heart rate you you get sick internally just for that moment anyway you just get symptoms that that makes you uncomfortable and makes you sick um and it's not just you that you're sick <laughs> it's the person that you like to <sighs> when i saw that i just i don't know don't don't hang around liars don't do that they make you sick so why did I say that? Ah, moving on. <laughs> so it says, she says, so on your view, you are God. He said, not at all. But if human beings set the standard, okay, she's back to all of us. But if human beings set the standard, I distinguish here, I explain, sounding too much like the philosophy philosophy professor that i am i don't think human being set the standard in the sense that whatever we say is right no whatever we say cannot be right because it might potentially offend the other person and make the person unhappy so when are we going to get the entire world to sit down and discuss the things that make us happy so that we can agree um that sucks I don't think human beings set the standard in the sense that whatever we say is right. Hold on. So, if you define morality, uh, like moral standards, as a function of human well-being, and there's somebody in our society that hates, that's an homophobe, okay, that's homophobic, and doesn't it makes him upset, like visibly upset, he pukes, he almost wants to die. When he sees two gay people kissing or holding hands, are we not supposed to care about his well being? That is so simplistic, but I just want to put that out there so that I can maybe think about it some more. So, it just means that because you will come with, okay, not everybody should be, I'm getting ahead of myself. In some way, he explains that. Because it later mentions um, rapists and psychopaths and all these people. And of course, we have to exempt them from that pool. How do we know? How do we know that they're rapists? How do we know that they're actually serving their interests when they make decisions? Boy, 
we can't trust ourselves point blank period moving forward though mm. i don't think human beings set the standard in the sense that whatever we say is right quite the contrary human beings can and do make mistakes aha mistakes she explained victoriously she exclaimed victoriously let me finish please <laughs> okay but i was making note of that mistakes she turned to her husband who still hadn't said a word remember that mistakes she seemed almost gleeful side notes one of the things i like about debating glenn is that despite some of the expected obvious friction we usually strive to understand each other so we don't typically go for the gotcha moment the victorious haha when one person decisively slams the other um this omission disappoints some audience members why don't why didn't you just <laughs> wipe up the floor with him people asked me people people asked me as if public policy debates should look like world wrestling entertainment matches gotcha moments may be entertaining but their decisiveness comes at the cost they seldom convince those who aren't already on your side when you look like you're more interested in slamming your opponents than understanding them your opponent's allies your opponent's allies will perceive you as abusive and no one will learn very much Tammy was clearly gearing up for a gotcha moment. Mistakes. Aha. <laughs> I don't believe in slamming anybody. I think we should um always speak and move and breathe in love. If we're correct, we're in love. Everything we do in love. Everything that we have to do, everything that we must do, must still be done with love. Everything. Look, I said, if I were God, I'd be infallible, but I'm not. Neither are you, by the way. Yes, but we have the truth, she answered. Isn't it possible that you might be mistaken? Isn't it possible that you might be mistaken? Isn't it possible? (laughs) (laughs) Moving on. Isn't it possible that you might be mistaken? After all, there have been a lot of religious people throughout history who have believed they have the truth and they believe different things. They can't all be right. They can't all be right. True. True. But I find, isn't it possible that you might be mistaken very funny very funny (laughs) isn't it possible moving on satan is a deceiver she replied suddenly becoming more quite animated but we have the truth god gives us the truth in the bible her voice was raised and and she punctuated her pronunciations with her index finger Glenn, who was chatting nearby, glanced over sympathetically. I don't recall all the other details of our exchange. At some point, she brought up something about anal cancer. Mm, I don't care about that. Um, you secular humanists like to argue around in circles, she continued. But for us, it's simple. God says so. I believe it. That settles it. You promote lies. We have the truth. So if you already have the truth, I shot back impatiently. Why are you bothering talking to me? Right, she said. And to my surprise, she abruptly walked off. (laughs) That's what I liked about this woman. 
she sounded she sounds very emotional and there's nothing wrong with being emotional but it's, it's somehow it works against you sometimes not even sometimes many times when you can't hold like you can't keep it together people are very quick especially if you're a woman people are very quick to point out your emotions rather than the fact of all the things that you've said she made um, like good points she started the argument she was able to like hold her own but even I cannot really like I don't know in arguments just try to like control your, your emotions keep it clean it's better when you say things that are very nice with a smile say it with a smile <laughs> say it with a smile and look into their eyes and be like you know you know that I've got you. <laughs> that sounds wicked. <laughs> Don't be wicked. <laughs> and unless they be mean to you, they're no better off. That's not the Holy Spirit speaking, no. That's just Bibi Okori speaking. <laughs> um, but I liked how she walked off. Why are you speaking to me? Why are you bothering talking to me? She said, right. She just turned and walked off. I think that's boss. That's that's boss right there. <laughs> um, let's read another thing. Page eighty-five. Hmm, I like this category. I like this book, although you know it's not it's not me, but I like this book. I like how we broke it down. I like the arguments. Um, I like it. I just like it. It made some things really simple and really clear. I don't like books that are unnecessarily complicated things. Like, what is interesting in my life? Do you think I want to use 100 years to read this one book? Move it along. Use simple language. Break it down into... Make it bullets. Like, what are you doing? Help me help myself. You're not the only book in the world. You know how many books I'm trying to read? Keep it pushing. People don't understand that. Just make things unnecessarily complex. It's five. But also, don't make things unnecessarily simplistic. But just, Just... let people understand what you're saying you know um it tries to explain here um the different types of christians they are and this is what i like number one we have the traditionalists they believe the bible teaches that all homosexual conduct is wrong therefore homosexual conduct is wrong this is the position of most of most judo Christian opponents of homosexuality like Glenn and Tammy. Glenn is his friend. Tammy is the woman in the that was in the audience that we just read about. Number two, the revisionist. The Bible doesn't teach that all homosexual conduct is wrong. Rather, it teaches that certain kinds of homosexual conduct are wrong, like the exploitative, paganism, pederastic. I've never heard of that. Are wrong and the traditionalist view is based on a misreading or misapplication of the relevant test text this is the view of many judeo-christian gay rights advocates okay so it these other people the revisionists think that this guy calls them the revisionist <laughs> moving on i i hope people do you perceive that I perceive that this guy is smart? I'm just saying. Three, skeptical. The Bible teaches that homosexual conduct is wrong, but the Bible makes mistakes, and its views on homosexuality 
are among them those are the skeptical people this ones don't even like forget about yourself i'm going to throw inside those men teaches that the homosexual conduct is wrong um wait oh okay hold on so the traditionalists and the skeptical believe that the bible preaches that homosexuality is wrong but while the traditionalists actually accept that homosexuality is wrong the skeptical believe that um the bible makes mistakes okay that the bible makes mistakes and that homosexuality is one of them while the revisionist believes that the bible does not teach that homosexuality is wrong okay you get it now those are the kinds of people that we have <sighs> 89 we still have a long way to go talking so much so much to say i like this book <laughs> um so it's trying to bring up the argument here it's trying to bring up the argument of christians or the traditionalists the Sodom and Gomorrah story may be the biblical passage most often cited against homosexuality. It may also be the least relevant. Its claim, this claim surprises many people. After all, the term, the term sodomy is etymologically, etymologically linked to Sodom, a biblical city destroyed for its wickedness. But equating that wickedness with homosexuality is dubious. We call sodomy sodomy because medieval theologians misread Sodom's sin to be same-sex copulation, not because the text itself makes the connection. Okay, um, a bit of background: Sodom and Gomorrah are sister cities, ravage. Rampart with sorry, rampart with wickedness, and the Lord intends to destroy them. Abraham urges the Lord to spare the righteous, and the Lord sends angels to investigate. After some urging, Lord convinces the angels to spend the night at his home. The city was a frequent passage point for travelers. Think of Sodom and Gomorrah as the Minneapolis and Saint Paul of the time. And the St. Paul of the time. And it was common for weary foreigners to camp in the city. In the city square. Okay. Here's the key text. But Lord, Lord urged the visiting angels strongly. So they turned aside to him and entered his house. And he made them a feast and baked on living bread. And they ate. And before they laid down, the men of the city, the men of Sodom, both young and old, all the people to the last man, surrounded the house and they called to Lot where are the men who came to you tonight bring them out to us so that we may know them Lot went out of the door to the men shut the door after him and said I beg you my brothers do not act so wickedly look I have two daughters you have not known or have not known a man let me bring them out to you and do to them as you please only do nothing to these men for they have come under the shelter of my roof but he replied stand back and they said this fellow came here as an alien 
this fellow came here as an alien and he would play the judge they're talking to lots now now we would deal worse with you than with them then they pressed hard against the man lot you and came near the door to break it down they were going to rape him too okay they mean pressed down like they were trying to persuade him because if he's physically pressed down you At this point, the visitors reached out and brought Lot into safety. They struck the mob blind. The Lot and his family fled the city, and the Lord rained fire and brimstone on it. What should we think of the Sodom and Gomorrah story? Assuming the townsmen demand to know the visitors is intended sexually, Okay, as assuming the townsmen de- demanded to know, in quotes, you know, to have sex, the visitors is intended sexually. The story describes an attempted gang rape of visiting male angels. Now, call me crazy, but I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that gang rape is bad. It is bad, period. Regardless of the perpetrators and victims' gender, why then is the Sodom story taken as a paradigmatic biblical condemnation of homosexuality one might wonder whether I've left out relevant background text but a fact no where else in the Hebrew scripture is Sodom's sin identified as being sexual much less homosexual on the contrary it is explicitly identified as otherwise this was the guilt of your sister Sodom she and her daughters had pride excess of food and prosperous ease but did not eat the poor and needy. That's from Ezekiel 16, 49-50. In other words, the Sodomites were self-indulgent and callous, not gay. Sodom's sin is not explicitly identified as sexual until the New Testament. Here is the epistle of Jude, written at least five centuries after Genesis, and much longer since after the events described. Now I desire to remind you, though you are fully informed, that the Lord who once for all saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed those who did not believe, and the angels who did not keep their own position, but left their proper dwelling. He has kept in eternal chains, in deepest darkness, for the judgment of the great day. Likewise, Sodom and Gomorrah and surrounding cities, which in the same manner as they indulged in sexual immorality and pursued unnatural lust, serve as an example by undergoing a punishment of eternal fire that's jude 1 5 to 7. that's not is that not clear is that not clear enough why modern readers might be tempted to read unnatural lusts as a reference to homosexuality the greek literally went after other flesh more likely referred to human or angel boundary it would be all to describe the flesh of someone of the same sex as other flesh. Indeed, the term is more apt for heterosexuality. Biblical authors like to emph- emphasize boundaries and the human or angel boundary, which we seldom think about since angels don't typically knock on our doors 
was at least as important to them as the male female one okay he's saying the part where jude says unnatural lust and um going after other flesh sexual immorality and pursued unnatural lust natural lust where where is other flesh Mm. okay it should be odd to describe the flesh of someone of the same sex as other flesh I'm sorry that this I just I want to check my Bible. <laughs> it's important to have your Bible in this sense. Let's come and read Jude. Jude one five to six. Jude has just that one chapter, right? Come and start looking for it now, eh? Jude, where are you? Please come out. Don't waste our time. Jude, Jude, baby Jude. Okay, found him. Um, Jude 1, 5, 7. I will therefore put you in remembrance, though ye once knew this, how that the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed them that believed not, and the angels which kept not their first estate, but left their own habitation, yet reserved in its everlasting chains, under darkness until the judgment of the great day even as sodom and gomorrah and the cities about them in like manner giving themselves over to fornication and going after strange flesh are set forth for an example suffering the vengeance of eternal fire likewise also these filthy dreamers defile the flesh despise dominion and speak evil of dignities okay yet michael the archangel when contending with the devil he disputed against the body of moses does not bring against him a railing accusation but said the lord rebuke you oh i'm not supposed to accuse them we're supposed to rebuke them But they speak evil of these things which they know not, but what they know naturally as brute beasts, in those things they corrupt themselves. Warn to them, for they have gone in the way of Cain, and ran greedily after the arrow of Balaam for reward, and perished in the gainsaying of Kore. Who is Kore? These are spots in your feast of charity. When they feast with you, feeding themselves without fear. Clouds, they are without water. Okay, I'm going to stop there. Um, obviously, we have to read Jude again. Um, but this guy says, you know, in my version, it says strange flesh. What is strange flesh? 
<sighs> Who is tired? I am. I am. Wanna eat? What's the conclusion from that last one? The guy and um, the man, John. His name is John. Let's just call him John. Let's not call him guy or man. Let's call him John. Uh, John says. that part from Jude where it says they gave themselves over to unnatural lust and other flesh. It doesn't talk about unnatural lust. It doesn't say what unnatural lust is. And then it doesn't say it says that um, other flesh or strange flesh cannot be about a flesh that is similar to yours because you can't say because it has said similar flesh instead, right? Okay. Let's go with that. Let's just go. Let's just move on. Page 108. Let's see the other arguments in the book. Black and white. Let us turn instead to the most explicit and forceful biblical prohibition of homosexual conduct, which is found in Leviticus. You shall not lie with a man as with a woman. It's an abomination. Leviticus 18.22 If a man lies with a male as with a woman, both of them have committed an abomination. They shall be put to death. Their blood is upon them. Leviticus 20.13 Unlike Sodom and Gomorrah's story, these lines seem to require little interpretation. Yeah. It's just right there. Um... But he discredits it by saying, um, since men and women have different parts, one cannot lie, literally lie with one in the same way as with the other. Most likely, the text is referring to male, male, inner sex. The closest approximation to sex as with the woman mm, is, is, affirming it here but the part that he you know discredits it is when he says um that it is still affirming it it is possible that these laws had a good rationale then but no longer do okay it's not affirming it but it's also possible that the same is true for the prohibition of male male penetration um Okay, to discredit it, it makes fun of the other laws that were given. When I burn a la- when I burn a bull on the altar as a sacrifice, I know it creates a pleasing odor for the Lord. That's Leviticus one nine. Then the problem is my neighbors. They claim the odor is not pleasing to them. Well, that one, Jesus already came as our sacrifice, and we don't have to make sacrifices again. So your neighbors are fine. Two. I would like to sell my daughter into slavery as sanctioned in Exodus 21.7. In this day and age, what do you think would be the fair price for her? Um, I don't know for you. I don't want to give you a price. 
<laughs> I can't give you price. You have to determine that. Three, I know that I am allowed no contact with a woman while she is in a period of menstrual uncleanliness. Leviticus 15, 19 to 24. Uh, people that have sex with people during their periods. Uh, is it fun? I don't understand. Like, I mean, right in the middle, not when you are just starting, not when you are ending. I mean, like, right in the middle of your. I don't know. I don't want to think about it. The problem is, how do I tell? I have I have tried asking, but most women take offense. Haha. <laughs> for Leviticus 25:44 states that I may indeed possess slaves, both male and female, provided they are purchased from neighboring nations. A friend of mine claims that this applies to Mexicans, but not Canadians. Can you clarify? Why can't I own Canadians? I don't ask your friend, please. Ask your friend, baby. Ask your friend about slavery. I'm still going to read about it, and I don't mean like black slavery, although that would be part of it. But what is the like? Is more is slavery good? <laughs> Maybe not good, but is slavery accepted, acceptable to God. Because I think the answer is yes. Like especially if you go and colonize some people and you are lord over them, slavery is good. It's good for you, and but you don't have to make their lives miserable. I think. Number five, I have a neighbor who insists on walking on the Sabbath. Exodus thirty-five two clearly states he should be put to death. Am I morally obligated to kill him? Jesus answered all that. Jesus is God. And he came and he embodied everything and he walked on earth the way God expects us to work. So like Chesada six. A friend of mine feels that even though eating shellfish is an abomination. According to Leviticus eleven ten, it's a lesser abomination than homosexuality. I don't agree. Can you say to this? I don't know for you. I can't help with it. I don't know anything about shellfish eating. Leviticus twenty one twenty states that I may not approach the altar of God if I have a defect in my in my sight. I have to admit that I wear reading glasses. Does my vision have to be twenty over twenty, or is there some wiggle room here? I can't help you. Most of my male friends get their hair trimmed, including the. Why did God say that? Especially at that time. We know that Jesus has already like put us in himself and he sits at the right hand of the Father and we're right there seated with him. But why did he say that? If you if you because you could be clumsy and break something? <laughs> Don't know. <laughs> um H most of my male friends get their hair trimmed, including the hair around their temples, even though this is expressly forbidden by Leviticus. 1927 how should they die <laughs> um i i know from leviticus 11 6 to 8 that touching the skin of a dead pig makes me unclean but may i still play football if i wear gloves um and it goes on and on like that 
makes fun of all the all the other things. I'm not even going to try to explain more than that, cause I'm quite I'm tired of talking. I'm sorry. I don't like talking for too long, especially this long. Guess it's just page a hundred and twenty-seven. But I have to do this, you know. It's important. Mm. I'm so, I'm glad you are listening. I'm sorry if that my last statement belittled you. I apologize. I'm glad you're here. I'm glad I'm doing this, and I'm glad I have the strength to do it. You know, this is not the first podcast. I record two podcasts every day, two episodes because I read two books every day. So after the first one, my energy level starts to dip. And today I didn't have dinner because it was too late to. Oh, uh, so I'm really at fault. I'm sorry if I made you feel bad. It's my it's my fault. I should have eaten. Page 127. There, God says, as in Genesis 2 5, God says, There, it's not good that the man should be alone. I'll make him a helper as his partner. God then presents Adam with various animals and birds, all of which Adam finds unsuitable. It's not until God presents Adam with woman whom he creates from Adam's rib that adam is satisfied the theme appears to be companionship and it's noteworthy that god doesn't simply make an executive decision about which creature will be suitable he brings them to adam and lets him choose i think this is i i think i like that he pointed this out like god brought all the animals to him and said he should choose the partner and he didn't find any one of them suitable. And then God had to make him a woman. The implication is that individuals, including um, presumably gays and lesbians, are the expert on their own hearts. None of them were on his level. God created him to be like him. If God had been in the lineup, he would have chosen God. <laughs> but God probably also wanted to chill, chill in the heavens and then visit his creature. As, as you know, depicted in, at the time where Adam was in the Garden of Eden. But God could have made another man. didn't. In that, in that case. And he accepted her. At the end of the day, God ended up making something for him. He didn't he didn't say, Okay, give me the structure of what you want. <laughs> he didn't do that. He went ahead and made something for him. I think him giving him something to choose, giving him bringing all the animals to him then was not <laughs> was not it was less about him knowing his own art and at that time Remember that Adam was not corrupted, so um, it must have been. It's definitely less about him knowing his own art, or just confirming what God thought. <laughs> this guy doesn't have to be alone. Let's see if 
he would actually agree to have any of the creatures. Then he said no. Then he had to make him something. He didn't seek his permission to make to make him woman. He didn't. If he did, you know that Adam would have described something like himself. He didn't even know woman existed like that. Like he didn't know about woman. She was not yet there. But God made him woman. He said, Yeah, this is your companion. Alright. That was good. But I also like this point. It made me think more about the creation story. The implication is that individuals, including presumably gays and lesbians, are the experts on their own art. Does this pro gay interpretation read too much into Genesis? No, not necessarily. It's quite good. Perhaps. But it does so no more than the no gay sex interpretation does. It's still a no gay interpretation. You didn't finish it. You admitted that God made him look at everything to pick out a mate and also acknowledge to himself that, yeah, none of them are like me. You know, he made him acknowledge his own loneliness to himself before he now provided him with a mate. So, thank you for pointing that out to me. Love you. <laughs> Am I okay? <laughs> but I love you though. You smart little thing. Little, it's a grown man, this girl. What's wrong with you? I'm sorry, John. Oh my me. It's becoming my culture. It's called Blue Baby now. I don't know where I go from. 130 page 130 like the old testament the new testament contains some difficult to translate passages they don't need to you don't need to read ancient greek or Aramaic to realize this you just need to observe the various ways that different scholars have rendered the same passage take for example paul's first letter to corinthians 6 9 to 10 a very similar passage appears at first timothy 1 9 to 10 too the widely respected New Revised Standard Version translates the passage as follows. Do you know that wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Fornicators, idolaters, idolaters, male prostitutes, sodomites. Um, in Old Testament, it says effeminate for sodomites. Thieves, the greedy. Sort of my new revised people. I, so when you stop using that word, use effeminate if that's what effeminate doesn't even. Does effeminate actually say anything about sex or just the appearance of? Um, at this point, it's just it's the two of them because there's another translation that I, re- I heard another man of God read, and it was not a sodomite, it was not effeminate, it was homosexuals. That was what was written there. Um. Thieves, the greedy, drunkards, revilers, robbers, none of this will inherit the kingdom of God. Hmm. The different the difficult term here is aseno koitai. I saw that in the book I read yesterday. <laughs> Is rendered as sodomite or homosexual 
or effeminate what does it mean no one knows for sure it's a compound term made up of the greek words for male and bed but there's no record of it before paul and it's quite likely that he made it up translators have had to guess at his meaning and their guesses have been various king had been various king james version from 1611 neither fornicators no idolaters, no idolaters, no effeminate, no abusers of, of themselves with mankind. Then American standard, standard version, neither fornicators, no idolaters, no I, no adulterers, no effeminate, no abusers of themselves with men. Revised standard version, neither the idolaters, no, no immoral, no idolaters, no sexual perverts. Okay. New American standard. Neither fornicators, no idolaters, no adulterers, no effeminates, no homosexuals. Good news Bible. People who are immoral or who worship idols or are adulterers or homosexual perverts. New American Bible. Neither fornicators, no idolaters, no adulterers, no boy prostitutes, no sodomites. New International Version, neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor male prostitutes, nor homosexual offenders. New Revised Standard Version, fornication, idolaters, adulteries, adulterers, male prostitutes, sodomites, put aside the fact that the claim about fornicators would damn many of the same people who so readily cite the passage against homosexuals look at this translation chronologically we grow we go from the relatively vague abusers of themselves with men to even vaguer sex sexual perverts to the much more specific homosexuals then homosexual perverts then sodomites alongside the unique boy prostitutes then homosexual offenders then back to sodomites. In English, the word sodomite means to anyone homosexual or heterosexual who engages in sodomy. Another victim. Um, it's just saying because those Bible versions were from from about sixteen eleven to nineteen eighty nine. So. It was trying to trace all the different translations and the way it has changed over time. Did you hear any much difference? I didn't. Most of them had pretty much the same ideas. And I think, you know, the Bible usually tries to match the time like what did this word mean in their own time okay now in our time this is what it means so i'm going to dis- disregard this point um page 264 we're getting somewhere
Evil animals know better than to behave homosexually. This is the argument that um, it's unnatural. Homosexuality must be wrong. The argument is deeply flawed. First, it rests on a false, false promise. Homosexual behavior has been documented in hundreds of species from insects and worms to apes and dolphins, and some animals from form long term same sex bonds. Yeah. I don't know what we will give in that argument. This is no longer biblical argument. It's just like general arguments that people give. They say even animals know better than to behave homosexually. That's not true at all. There's an entire species of lizards that all of them are female. Yeah. They're all females. They find a way to um, reprocreate. Reprocreate. Without the men. To reproduce, <laughs> to procreate. I said reprocreate. I mixed up. Yeah, they find a way to reproduce without the men, and now all of them are girls. So, and there are so many animals that are quite like snails. Snails are hermaphrodites. They have both. Um, male and female sexual organs so when they meet one of them um has um acts as the recipient the receiving one while the other one acts as the male you know just randomly they decided that when they when they meet so snails snails are hermaphrodites you know so you can't you can't claim animals. Don't do that. That's that's, that's not a good point. Page two hundred and eighty-five. According to utilitarians, okay, we have moved away from the Bible. We're just discussing random people's arguments. According to utilitarians, an act is right insofar as it promotes the best consequences, often understood in terms of the greatest happiness for the good. For the greatest number okay so okay if we move aside now from that oh morality um depends on human beings the wellness of everybody to this one that says instead of pushing happiness for everybody we push happiness for the greatest number okay so what does this guy say about that point? It is wrong insofar as it produces bad or harmful consequences. Utilitarians does think of morality in terms of social welfare. In, evalu- in evaluating same-sex relations, they should they would ask, do such relations make people happy? And do they hurt anyone? And then weigh the pros and cons. So if you are that person that thinks, okay, does sexuality, homosexuality make people happy? The answer is yes. Does it hurt anyone? The answer is no. Then you are mostly a utilitarian thinker. I'm putting this all rather simplistically. Utilitarian theory can be as complicated as any other. In light of the last chapter, it is not surprising that utilitarians generally have a positive view of same-sex relations. Yeah. That is one thing. I don't think he had anything negative to say about them. Um, 
um, page 324. After all, no one wakes up and says, oh, I want to be straight either. So we must be born this way, right? Okay, he's now arguing against homosexuals who just randomly say, oh, I was born this way as their excuse for being homosexuals. So he says wrong. Put aside the fact that this way is ambiguous. No one is born having sex. That obviously involves choices. The, cru- the crucial point is that the leap from I don't choose my feelings to I was born this way. Um, sorry, I lost, I lost track. Uh, it forces a decision between A. This is what you do when you, when you have to leap from, I don't choose my feelings. It feels saying you don't choose your feelings is a better way to say, to say it than to say I was born this way. So it forces a decision between A, voluntarily chosen be genetically hardwired without entertaining possibilities c acquired but non-voluntary so you'll be forced to make those three decisions so it's a false dilemma um let me find a good place to read because there's good places okay <laughs> this guy says i don't remember the world this way okay um the only alternative um she offers to bond this way is oh i want to be gay bond this way is a virtual article of faith among gays so much so that the singer lady gaga's song of the same title has been touted as a has been touted as a gay anthem call me a heretic but i neither know nor care whether i was born this way I don't remember the world. I don't remember the world when I was born, and I can't discern my genetic makeup by simple introspection. All I know is that I've had these feelings for a long time. They're a deep fact about me, and they are not something that I can readily change, even if I wanted to. These facts are all compatible with a variety of competing scientific explanations of sexual orientations, including environmental ones. There's also something odd about asking whether a trait is biological. We are flesh and blood creatures. So at some level, everything about us is biological. Even my decision to wear a blue shirt today, a choice, if anything is, has some biological substrates, including synapses in the brain and whatnot. So the real question is not, is it biological, but what's the biological story there? Is my tradition is my attraction to men genetically hardwired such that it was predestined upon conception? Was it influenced by chemically by chemical experiences in the womb? Am I biologically predisposed to have certain personality traits, which, when placed in the right sort of environment, might or might not lead to such attraction? What effect, if any, do formative social experiences have on my current desires? These are all the interesting scientific questions. They are not the sort of questions on which politicians or rock singers or homogeneous have any special expertise. In that respect, Richardson's 
profession of scientific ignorance was both modest and reasonable. I'm interested in a moral question, not an etiological one. And because scientific knowledge in this area continues to develop, I will not review the scientific literature here. Interested readers are encouraged to do further research. Okay, I think that's what I'm going to do. Because that's what I'm curious about. Curious about that. Page 329. Do people choose their same sex attraction? The answer is no. We discover our feelings. We do not invent them. I said as much in the original column. If we mean, do people choose their same-sex relationships? My answer is, I hope so. <laughs> no one is shackling me to the bed with Mark. Is shackling me to the bed with Mark. And if someone were, that would be none of your business. In this sense, homosexuality involves choices, just as heterosexuality does. They are not choices about what kinds of feelings to have, but about whether, when, and how to act on these feelings. When Richard said it's a choice, perhaps he meant that we should have the right to make such choices. If so, good for him. Similarly, when gay rights opponents say it's a choice, they might mean that the so-called homosexual lifestyle is a choice. In one sense, they're absolutely right. As ambiguous as the statement homosexual lifestyle is, it surely refers to choices. While I didn't choose my attraction to men, I choose to be an out gay man. I choose to be with Mark. I choose to speak and write openly in defense of gay and gays and lesbians and so on. I could have chosen otherwise, which doesn't mean that I should have chosen otherwise. Yeah, at least you're acknowledging that you have some power over um the lifestyle that you choose because that's important too that's important to know you know that you can control what you choose to um give access to or to give more power more power to in your life it's important to know that <laughs> for a lot of people but it's saying here that it doesn't mean that i should have chosen otherwise you know he has the power to choose otherwise, but to him, he doesn't think that he should have. It doesn't mean that he's saying that you should have if you have those feelings. Do you, do you know why I like this guy now? You know, he's very true to his cause and he's not really trying to like... Well, he, he brings up arguments from other people, but he also states... The book is just really clear. That's what I'm trying to say. The book is clear. He breaks everything down quite clear like it and i agree about the um the question do people choose their same-sex attraction you can choose your relationships <laughs> you better choose your relationships um but the feelings you might not be able to choose your feelings you might just find yourself liking somebody you know the way you randomly like a boy if you are heterosexual or you like a girl find yourself liking them but you have certain controls to your liking people run away that's what you do my dear that is what you do you resist the devil whether they come in whatever shape no matter what your orientation is 
you want to save Godsha. Three, three, three. Every coming out story is unique, though there are common themes. Mine is fairly typical, at least typical for a male growing up in the seventies and eighties in an Italian Catholic family in suburban New York. Let me digress from philosophizing for a while to engage in some illustrative autobiography. It's always hard to pinpoint when one became aware of one's homosexuality because much of that awareness is pre-articulated. Uh, is this not important? The part that is important. Um, it was saying us about his life. I'm sorry, but it's not relevant. Um, I say that my coming out story is somewhat typical. Nothing was wrong with him. He was not, he was not molested. You know, those people always think I'm molested. Here's one respect in which it probably isn't. Many gay men come out. They start telling people when after their. F- after their first sexual or romantic contact with other men for me it was the other way around it would be months before i first kissed another guy a year before i got naked with one and nearly 18 months before i had sex with one if those awkward early fumblings count as sex sex first sex is always fumbling it doesn't i don't think it matters whether you're gay or not gay i think first is usually awkward might be funny and nice and sweet, but I think it's quite awkward. I think that's what the movie tell, tells us. But my first um sexual experience was not particularly it's like all him out for the first time. It was funny because I liked the person, but that was just it. We didn't know well I didn't know what I was doing. It came naturally but you know still was confused. I'm not saying she have sex so you know, that was before I took my face seriously. Um, what else? So I understand. I understand this part. Like it's, it, uh, we should just just stop thinking that um, homosexuals can exist the way heterosexuals do. They can. In every every which way, bro. <laughs> so. Um, and for every general every generalization that you have it probably just be a tiny um sect that have what you're thinking now if you're talking spiritual now talking about bible talking about god it could absolutely be right the entire generalization could be about all of them but in some cases no there are different things that are going on with different people and you have to be there with them to really know to really help to be able to really help 375 (laughs) who cares if we are born this way having established that sexual orientation is not a matter of voluntary choice and that even if it were it would not follow that being gay is a bad choice why does it matter if we are born this way i think it's because people mistakenly 
take born this way to imply a number of other claims one if you are born this way then homosexuality is an immutable characteristic two if you are born this way then i can't be blamed for it three if i'm born this way then i have a right to be this way um four if i'm born this way then it's not a disorder five if i'm born this way then it's natural six if i'm born this way and only if i'm born this way then it's a deep and important fact about me hmm? everything you just know Mm-mm-mm. you just need to better understand some things yeah. that's don't be ignorant as an homosexual that's what this book is telling you don't be ignorant you may want to make your case but make it intelligently that's what it's saying and also for people who are heterosexual or not for for them then you understand what this guy is saying how he's countering everything it's quite smart I say again people have a great way people have a right to whatever kind of sexual activity they find fulfilling if they were true then it would indeed follow that people have a right to polygamy incest man on child man on dog or whatever the case may be but no serious person actually believes this premise at least not in unqualified form that is no serious person thinks that the right to sexual expression is absolute the premise thus construed is a straw man a more reasonable premise suggests that sexual expression is an important feature of human life which must be morally balanced against other features of human life for most people sex is a key source of intimacy it's a conduit of joy and sorrow pride and shame power and vulnerability connection and isolation its absence and especially its enforced denial can be painful on the other hand there are good moral reasons for prohibiting some sexual relationships either individually or as a class relationship is um hold on or as a class so for any sexual relationship and for that matter any human action we must ask are there good reasons for it are there good reasons against it there is no reason to think that the answers to these questions will be the same for homosexuality as they are for polygamy incest or bestiality they are different from each other as each is from homosexuality each may be evaluated on its own evidence we have spent the last five chapters examining the moral evidence surrounding homosexuality the basic case in favor of it is straightforward for some people same-sex relationships are an important source of genuine human goods including emotional and physical intimacy mutual pleasure and so on that positive case must be balanced against any negative although as we have seen the standard objectives fall apart under scrutiny okay he's saying that for you to counter something um you must present you must present about the good and the bad part of it and the good part of it is that um it makes people happy it's a source of um, emotional and physical intimacy 
um and mutual pleasure and so on it has some positive things to it so families really thrive you know and so um the negatives what are the negatives oh the negative is that god said so as a christian but now i have to go and figure out why is it so god is not a madman just like i have some praying and going to go and study some more i think my spiritual knowledge should be deficit in this there's a deficit in my spiritual understanding here so gotta go learn after the, i told you this is my third day reading i have two days two days left to read some more books on homosexuality and understand and let myself be grounded i don't want to be confused again after this week so father the question now the question this is the same question i had during the day and i'm sorry this is not to sound disrespect for anything and i accept your ruling I like to know why. Like people like to know why in the physical realm. In the physical realm, why it is wrong. Like what they can see is that it makes them happy. So if there are disadvantages in the spiritual realm, what is the disadvantage that should be manifested in the physical realm? Is this something that will take years? Is it happening now? I think I need to go and learn about the structure of the family. I don't know anything about that. Okay. I'll 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 learn father. Thank you. Um and I like this book. John, thank you for this book. I appreciate you. Love you and good night everyone. <laughs> I'm the one going to bed. <laughs> Bye everyone.